Today on the Matt Wall Show, a video of a business owner in Michigan is going viral. He is defying his state's shutdown order and paying a hefty price for it. But his message is inspiring and worth listening to. So we'll play that today and talk about it. Also, five headlines, including supposed conservatives urging Republican voters in Georgia to stay home and hand the Senate to Democrats. And also another anonymous racist note. We've got another one. These things are everywhere. It's just that they always turn, turn out to be fake. Uh, plus, our daily cancellation and much more today on The Matt Wall Show. Well, you know, one of the most important things in life, uh, just to be a, a, a happy person, what little I know about that subject, is you got to get a good night's rest. You got to be able to sleep. Um, and, you know, I can tell you that I'm, I'm on the road a lot. I do a lot of traveling. And it, it, so I've, I'm on a lot of different mattresses. And they're, they're certainly not all the same, to say the least. And it really determines what kind of mattress you're on will determine what kind of sleep you get. And that's going to determine so much about your, about your well-being and your health and everything else. And that's why you've got to look into Helix Sleep. I've got a Helix Sleep mattress myself. I cannot recommend it highly enough. Helix Sleep has a quiz. takes just two minutes to complete. I've done it. It matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. If you like a mattress that's really soft or firm, you sleep on your side or your back or your stomach, uh, if you get really hot while you're sleeping with Helix, there's a specific mattress for each and everybody's unique taste. You don't need to take their word for it. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress of 2019 and 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. So all you got to do is go to helixsleep.com slash walsh. Take their uh, two-minute sleep quiz. It really do, does just take two minutes. And uh, with that information, they're going to find a mattress that is customized perfectly. It's going to it's feel like it was made just for you, which it was. Um, and that's that's been my my own experience with Helix Sleep Mattress. We got it. Uh, we've had it now for months, and I have I, I haven't slept better in my life than I have on the Helix Sleep Mattress. Right now, Helix is offering up to two hundred dollars off and free pillows with all mattress orders for our listeners at HelixSleep.com/Walsh. That's HelixSleep.com/Walsh for up to two hundred dollars off your mattress order. So the mayor of Austin, Steve Adler had an urgent message for the residents of his city a few weeks ago via Facebook video. He, he said that uh, everyone needs to stay home and that this is, this is not a time to relax. Here's a little bit of that message. This is very important stuff that you need to take very seriously. Watch. The thrust of the most important messages trying to get out to the community right now is that our numbers are increasing and everybody has to be aware of that. And then we need to, you know, stay home if you can. Do everything you can to try to, to keep the numbers down. This is not the time to, to relax. We're going to be looking really closely. Yes, everyone needs to stay home. Except we've learned that when a Democrat mayor or governor says everyone, it can roughly be translated to everyone except me. As it turns out, Adler delivered that message telling everyone to stay home from his vacation home in Mexico. He traveled there with a number of friends and family on a private jet. He made this trip only a day after hosting a wedding reception for his daughter with 20 guests at a hotel in the city. So he gathered with 20 people and then traveled to another to a foreign country and then came back here. Adler now joins the likes of D.C. Mayor Bowser, who traveled to Delaware, a so-called high risk state to attend Joe Biden's victory speech. That was essential travel, though, you understand, of course, essential. Also, Nancy Pelosi, who went to get her hair did at a salon that was supposed to be closed. Same for Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, violating her stay-at-home order for the same reason. Mayor Philadelphia, who, was, who banned indoor dining but traveled to Maryland to dine indoors anyway. And, of course, Gavin Newsom and his infamous indoor dinner party. 
and New York Mayor Bill de Blasio, who went to the gym uh, as the pandemic raged, and Governor Blackface of Virginia, who was spotted maskless at a beach, Governor Cuomo, who invited his elderly mother for Thanksgiving, even after telling everyone else not to be around their families on Thanksgiving, and the mayor of Denver, who told everyone to avoid travel right before getting on a plane to travel. And Los Angeles County Supervisor Sheila Cool, who, we, uh, who you heard about a few days ago, who dined outdoors hours after voting to ban outdoor dining. And the list goes on. Mary Margaret Olhan uh, with the Daily Caller has a comprehensive list on their website that you should, you should go check out. It's even worse than you think. I mean, I, th- those are just a few of the, the lowlights. There's uh, many more that have been caught. But somehow, Steve Adler manages to rise to the top of this heap of hypocrites. He was on vacation in a foreign country while telling everyone else to not so much as leave their homes. This is hypocrisy so blatant as to almost be cliched. And it brings to mind again, and this is a fact we cannot forget, that the people behind these restrictions are not impacted by them. Also, the people cheering them on in media are not impacted by them. When the talking heads on CNN night after night lecture Americans for not obeying, for not following the stay-at-home orders, for opposing the restrictions, they deliver the lecture from a television studio in which they are paid to work. I'm paid to work in this studio. Even if Nashville gets shut down again, I could still go to work. Somehow my job is considered essential. You know, um, who am I then to, to earn a paycheck at my essential job, quote unquote, while telling you that you should sit home and let your children go hungry? Now, I'm not the most empathetic guy in the world, but that would be cruelty and selfishness beyond even my capabilities, if you can believe it. And the thing is, um, my job is essential. You know, that's true. My job is absolutely essential to me. I doubt it's very essential to your life, but it's essential to my life and my family. It's how I earn a living. It's how I put food on the table. It's how I pay for the bill to doctors when, I, when my children are sick. So it's very essential to me. Your job is essential to you. All jobs are essential. That's not a bumper sticker slogan. They might put that on the poster boards at the protests, but it's also true. It's more than a slogan. All jobs are essential because someone depends on it for survival. It might be only one person depending on it. It could be a house full of people. It could be more than that, depending on what the job is. But someone does. Someone depends on it. And that makes it, it makes it essential by any reasonable measure, by any reasonable definition of the term. But don't take it from me. I want to play for you what is perhaps, I think, the most compelling piece of video to come out of this crisis. This is from Michigan, where a ban on indoor dining is in effect. Um which is, of course, decimating the restaurant industry in the state and financially destroying thousands of people. Now, outdoor dining is still allowed, but it's 40 degrees right now in Detroit, last I checked. Now, people aren't eating outside in 40-degree temperatures. Also, not every restaurant has the space to set up outdoor dining. You hear people sometimes say, well, just, you can just do outdoor dining. Well, that assumes, first of all, that you, you have space outside that you own as a restaurant where you could put tables. A lot of restaurants don't have that. And also, the state of Michigan has very specific rules about what qualifies as outdoors and what doesn't. And we know anytime the government gets involved, you're going to even simple things become complicated. And now we need pages and pages of rules to just tell us what outdoors is. 
And, uh, and a lot of things that seem like they're outdoors actually aren't, it turns out. For example, a brewery in the state. This is from an article in Eater.com. A brewery spent all summer setting up an outdoor area with heaters and, and, uh, and uh, you know, kind of like a large sort of barn-like structure, uh, protection from the elements, a lot of air circulation, the whole nine yards. But when the state passed its indoor dining bin, the owner of the restaurant discovered that according to their definition, his outdoor space is actually indoors. So he wasted all that time and money for something he can't use. And they didn't tell him he couldn't use it until the very last minute. He spent all that time making it, and then they come and say, oh, you know what, you can't, this, this doesn't count. The article says that he's, quote, disappointed. Something tells me that that's probably an understatement. If it were me, I think I'd be less disappointed and more burning with the fiery rage of a thousand suns. Oh, but by the way, um, it does count as outdoors if you put the diners in plastic domes. Okay, so those, those uh, small, you know, those, the, maybe you've seen them, the pl- small plastic claustrophobic bubble domes. Those, that's fine. You can do that. That counts as outdoors. The virus can easily be spread. Somehow this is considered safer than just having people sit inside a building. And somehow a plastic dome outside, a plastic dome is considered outside, but a large physical structure with airflow and heating, that is not outside. It's all arbitrary and outrageous, of course, and people's lives are being ruined because of it. Which brings us then to the video I mentioned. Dave Morris, the owner of DNR Daily Grind Restaurant in Michigan, has decided to keep his restaurant open for indoor dining. Uh, He's not shutting down. He's been fined $1,000 a day since the new order went into effect. I think he's up to $6,000 now and counting. But he has no plans of backing down. And when a local news station showed up to report on the story, Dave appeared suddenly on camera. And uh, here's what he had to say. Uh-huh. Marius, is everything okay? Okay. My government leaders have abandoned me. Are you are you the owner? Four trillion dollars of stimulus money. They gave it to who? Special interest groups and campaign donors. I'm Dave Morris. I own the place. So what's going on? What's going on? You know what's going on. Tell me. You tell me. Hey, we got a government that has taken the stimulus money. They gave it to special campaign donors. They gave it to special interests. They abandoned me, and they have put me in a position where I have to fight back, okay? So do you feel that this is the right thing to do? Absolutely. I feel everybody needs to stand up. Hey, listen, there was enough money to give every family, every family in this country, $20,000 to go home for two months. They chose to give it to special interests and campaign donors, the Kennedy Space Center, and they abandoned us. So you could have given me money. I'd gladly walk away for 60 days and let this virus settle down. I'm not going to do it alone. Okay? Are you going to continue to violate the state's orders and this stay open? This is a sta- state order. This isn't an order. This is a conspiracy. This is a tyranny. What do you want to tell other restaurant owners who... Wake up. Stand up. This is America. Be free. I got patriots coming out supporting me. That is uh, great stuff. And everything you said there is... Correct. His math is correct, too, by the way. Three trillion dollars divided between all the families in America, all the households, about 110, 120 million or so would work out to 20 or twenty five thousand dollars for everybody. Now, I'm normally the last person to advocate for government handouts, but this is not a handout. So I'm still not advocating for a handout. The government is telling people they can't go to work and earn money. The government is shutting down entire industries. You can't do that and then give people a couple thousand bucks and expect it to last for months or longer. The government is stealing from the American people. 
telling you that you can't work, and then giving you nothing in compensation. That's stealing. We're not talking about welfare here or debt forgiveness for student loans or anything like that. We're talking about the state depriving its citizens of the ability to work and earn a living. The state then has an obligation to compensate for lost wages. That's the point that Dave Morris is making, and it's a good one. And that's what I like about this video, too. Dave is not an activist. He's not someone showboating you know, or strutting for the cameras. He doesn't have a, a, a poster board. Uh, there, there are no slogans here. You can tell he's not looking to be famous. He's not looking for attention. And actually, he's perfectly willing to cooperate with the stay-at-home orders and the dining ban and all that. But he can't do it if he's not compensated. He can't just sit at home with no money and no business. He's not willing to do that, and he shouldn't be. Nobody should be willing to cooperate with this scam. That's why we need more Dave Morrises in the world, a lot more. The government has seized power that it will not relinquish easily. In New York, just to show you how bad it's gotten, they're now doing sting operations and arresting restaurant owners who serve food inside. Yes, sting operations. They're sending in undercover police to order like a hamburger. And if they get the hamburger, then the person's going to jail. The powers that be are desperate to retain the control they've gained over our lives. Men like Dave Morris are desperate just to survive. A clash between these two groups is coming. And I know whose side I'll be on. Now let's get to our five headlines. So there was a rally down in Georgia yesterday with uh, Lynn Wood, supposed Trump supporting attorney, and Sidney Powell and some others. And they were urging Republicans to potentially not vote in the Georgia runoff. Here's the report from Daily Wire. It says Georgia-based attorney Lynn Wood, an alleged Trump supporter, urged Trump supporters on Tuesday evening in the state to, quote, not vote in the Senate runoff unless the two Republican Senate candidates publicly demanded that Georgia Republican Governor Brian Kemp call an emergency session in the legislature to investigate alleged voter fraud. However, news reports that surfaced late on Tuesday evening appear to show that Wood has a history of voting for and donating to Democrats. Eric Erickson, he's a conservative uh, commentator, highlighted alleged political contributions that Wood has made to Democrats. Um, and so he lists a bunch. March 2008, Wood contributed to Barack Obama, um, allegedly. Uh, and then a, bu- a bunch of con- contributions to Obama, John Edwards. Um, and it goes on from there. So this has been, this has been the, you know, the news people are arguing about right now, that this attorney who's telling people to Republicans potentially to stay home and not vote is, uh, you know, has supported Democrats. Now for me, that's not, I, I don't really care about that. That's not the point for me. I mean, there's a lot of people who 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 14 years ago or whatever, uh, supported Democrats and don't anymore. That's, that's, that's relatively common. And there's good reason for that. And the Democrat Party has just gotten crazier and crazier with each passing day. And so there are more and more people leaving as they should. So that for me is not the point. Yeah, I, I, I really don't care who he's voted for in the past. Um, the point, though, forget about what he's done in the past. L- let's look at right now. Anyone, I don't care who they are and what their name is. If they are at all even entertaining the idea that Republicans should stay home, and not vote in Georgia, whoever does that is a con artist and a scam artist. You, 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 are, you are handing the, the Senate and control of the government, the entire government, to the Democrats. I mean, we, 
it, 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 it is hard to even imagine how bad it could be if the Democrats control everything. Now, I've been the first to say in the past that, you know, some of the some of the apocalyptic sort of hand wringing we do over elections is overplayed because, you know, you win some, you lose some. Democrats win, Republicans win. Uh, it's not going to be the end of the world just because the wrong party is in there. But with that said, this would still be very, very, very bad news for the Democrats to control everything. The, you know, the Democrats are out for revenge. They're out for blood. We know what they want to do. They've already made it clear they want to defund the police. They want to pack the court. You know, they want to add Senate seats, statehood for, you know, D.C., Puerto Rico. They want to do things to, to, to make it so that they never lose again. And that's just to start with. So, yes, keeping, keeping the Senate out of their hands, out of their control, is priority number one right now. And I'll tell you what's going to happen. You've got some of these con artists telling Republicans to stay home in Georgia. And so what's going to happen is that Democrats will win. That, that, that's, that's what happens. If your voters stay home, the other team wins. So the scam artists are saying, stay home and don't vote. And then Democrats win. And then the scam artists will say, you see, they cheated. That's why they won. No, they cheated because you told everyone to stay home. You were working for the other side and pretending that you're working on our side. And then they're going to say, you see, they cheated. Uh, now just donate some more money to me personally. Put my name, make it out to me personally. And uh, I'll help save the republic. It is such an obvious, transparent scam. And I, I, I don't know how anyone could fail to see it. There is no defending this whatsoever. If you're telling people to stay home in Georgia, telling Republicans to stay home in Georgia, you are handing the Senate to Democrats and everything that happens after this is on you. It's your fault. Socialism comes to America. You can't turn around and complain about it and try to fundraise off of it. Donate to me. I'll help fight socialism. You put socialism in there. It's absolutely infuriating. All right, let's go to number two. Uh, article in the Houston Chronicle about the upstart conservative social media app Parler. I don't know if you've been on this, this site yet, Parler. Uh, I recently started an account. But things are not going terribly well, I suppose. Um, Houston Chronicle says, anyone following, following the hashtag sexy Trump girl hashtag on, Twitter, on Parler, a social media site increasingly popular with conservatives, got an eyeful uh, one recent Thursday evening as images of topless women and links to hardcore pornography websites appeared at a rapid fire rate, often more than one per, per minute. Now, I kind of feel like if you're clicking on that hashtag, that's probably what you were looking for. So probably not a surprise. But anyway, it goes into how um, pornographers allegedly, supposedly are, are taken over the site. Now you have to there's always a grain of salt when you see media uh, articles about Parler because it's known as a conservative social media app and the media doesn't like it for that reason. And so they've got a, they've got a, they've, they have a reason to make it sound worse than it actually is. I will say, I don't know about the pornography aspect of it. I haven't seen that. For me, the problem with Parler is, um, well, it's got two, two big problems. Number one, there's, there's no innovation with the function of the site. So you look at all the, the social media sites that have, that have taken off and managed to seize a size of the, the market, you know, a portion of the market, there's something about them that's a little bit different functionally. 
There's some sort of functional innovation. With Parler, there isn't. It's just sort of a Twitter knockoff. And the other problem, too, is that, is that it, it's kind of a, an echo chamber right now. If you go there, everybody is conservative, just talking. We're all just talking to each other about how right we are, which is kind of nice every once in a while. But it's not nearly as fun. So that's, um, that's a real problem. And then the third problem Parler runs into is that uh, they don't have billions and billions. This is the main problem. They don't have billions and billions of dollars, which I think is what you really need in order to have a chance to, um, to make a dent in Twitter or Facebook. But um, I think they're worth supporting because I, support I support the idea. I like what they're trying to do, at least. All right. Um, so we've got, our, we got ourselves, number three here, another anonymous racist note. This one was allegedly left under the door of a woman in an apartment complex in Boston. Um, also MAGA country in Boston, just like Chicago. She, she posted a screenshot of the letter, typed up very nicely. Uh, it's a typed letter that someone supposedly left for her. And, uh, and she also, and, you know, I'm not saying you could draw any conclusions from this at all. But she also uh, included, along with the screenshot of the racist letter, in the Twitter thread, she included a link to her business. So that's it. So she, she's basically saying, hey, I was a victim of a racist hate crime. And also, also, by the way, buy my stuff while you're here. Anyway, so the note says, you seem to have no respect for others, huh? You seem to think you can move into a new building without abiding by the rules of morality or have any concern for anyone else but yourself. Who uses a blender at 10 a.m.? That does. I mean, using a, a blender at maybe 6 a.m., I think, m- might violate the rules of morality, depending on how thin your walls are. 10 a.m., I think you're in blender territory. Um, you're playing rap music so early in the morning. Please put away the N-word music. Only N-words listen to N-word music. Can you listen to something more peaceful, more calming? It's very rude. It's entirely rude. Please learn to have some respect. And please stop having sexual relations so loud. Wait, hold on. Actually, it says, what it's supposed to say is, please stop having sexual relations so loud. I promise you it's not that good, sweetie. You don't need to wake everybody up. Learn to have manners and be respectful. What it actually says, though, is, please stop having sexual rations so loud. Sexual rations. That's, um, I mean, that's one way of putting it. You know, you go to your spouse, hey, honey, I'd um, like to get one of my sexual rations this evening. Uh, another weird thing, though, is that she has pronouns in her bio, and she identifies herself as, quote, queer, earthy, Afro-Latina. So I tell you, what, the, the weird thing about that is that it, it's, I don't know if you've noticed this, it's always the most liberal, left-wing, far-left people who get these racist notes. Have you noticed that? It's always like left-wing activists, people with pronouns in the bio. They have the worst luck. They're always the ones who happen to stumble across these incredibly racist people that none of us are meeting. The rest of us, we never meet these people. It's only them. It's only the, the far-left pronouns in bio people who meet the, the most racist ones. It's really bad luck, I guess. Or it's just a total scam. I'm thinking more of the latter. Number four, Barack Obama had something to say about the defund the police slogan. Uh, And what he had to say about it has upset a lot of people on the left anyway, who are now sort of turning on him and and saying, what does he know? Um, And uh, here's what he had to say. It's no different in terms of ideas. If you believe, as, as I do, that we should be able to reform the criminal justice system so that it's not biased and treats everybody fairly, 
I guess you can use a snappy slogan like defund the police, but you know you've lost a big audience the minute you say it, which makes it a lot less likely that you're actually going to get the changes you want done. But if you instead say, let's reform the police department so that everybody's being treated fairly, you know, divert young people from getting into crime. And if there's a homeless guy, can maybe we send a mental health worker there instead of an armed unit that could end up resulting in a tragedy? Suddenly, a whole bunch of folks who might not otherwise listen to you are listening to you. So the key is deciding, do you want to actually get something done or do you want to feel good among the people you already agree with? And if you want to get something done in a democracy, in a country as big and diverse as ours, then you've got to be able to meet people where they are and play a, a game of addition and not subtraction. Yeah, so he's, uh, the left's very upset about that. Uh, the squad, they're very upset about it. And yeah, they, like I said, they're, they're saying, what, what does this guy know about, about how to succeed politically? I mean, he's, he's only the most successful Democrat politician in the last several decades, which maybe isn't saying much, but, uh, but now they're, 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 they've decided he doesn't know what he's talking about. And, you know, I have no dog in this fight, really. But I will say that, just to be, to be clear about this, Barack Obama is not saying that we shouldn't defund the police. What he's saying is, we shouldn't say we're defunding the police. So what he's trying to say to the crazy leftists is, listen, you want to be crazy, that's fine. Just don't be so obvious about it. So I, he, he, he's, he's, he's giving them advice on how to brand this. Um, but they're not going to listen to it, which is good. I'm glad they don't listen to him. I would encourage them to not listen to him. Uh, because defund the police as a slogan is a total loser. The idea itself is also a loser, of course, but uh, the only chance they have of, of, actually, of actually enacting this idea is to come up with a different word for it, a different phrase. And usually the left, they're very good at this. This is one thing the left is very good at normally with euphemisms, coming up with different words that mean something, you know, to, to, to cloak the, the horrible things that they're doing. With abortion, you know, is the, the number one prime example of this. Think of all the euphemisms that they have covered this subject in reproductive rights, you know, which, which is, which is one big euphemism because as I've said many times, uh, abortion has nothing to do with reproductive rights because the abortion happens after reproduction has already occurred. So normally the left, they do that and they have a lot of success. In this case, the mistake they're making really is they're just being honest. And, and Obama is saying, stop being honest guys. They're not interested in that. Five, finally, um, this isn't really a headline per se, but I mention this because I, I, I believe that it's important to be a man of your word. If you say you're going to do something, do it. You know, if you make a deal, follow through. That's what I believe. But Tyler Conway of Bleacher Report, it seems, is not a man of his word. Um, he's a reporter for Bleacher Report. He, he tweeted to me a couple of days ago. During the discussion about Sarah Fuller, you know, the girl who, who did that hilariously bad kick for Vanderbilt and then proceeded to win, you know, she kicked it 20 yards. She won SEC Special Teams Player of the Week and everyone's hailing what a great kick it was when, it, of course, it was a horrible kick. But, um, and I've made that point and, and, uh, and Tyler Conway wanted to white knight for Sarah, be her knight in shining armor, defend her. So he issued a challenge to me. He said, he said that I should kick a football, film it for Twitter, And if I do, he will donate to a charity of my choice. Now, I'm not one to back away from a challenge. 
So I did as was requested. So kick a football, put it on Twitter. And I did. I think we have the video. It's, uh, it's, this is, you you want to see real athleticism. Here it is right here. Let's play this. That's it. Now, if you're listening and you couldn't see the kick, you missed out. Because I, in my slippers in my kitchen, nudged the ball with my foot. I sent it sailing three, four feet easily. Um, incredible kick. At least it was as good as Sarah Fuller's kick. But the main point is I kicked the football. I, I held up my, that's all he said. He didn't say do it on a football field. He didn't say he has to, you know, go through the uprights or anything. That was the challenge. But of course, uh, he, he backed away and, um, and I, 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 I did that kick and I said, okay, you can donate to the, to the National Right to Life Committee, um, big pro-life organization. And in order to, uh, uh, I guess, his way of dunking on me was to instead donate to Planned Parenthood. He donated $100 to Planned Parenthood, and that's how it ended up. So he's not following through on what he said. But also, I, I just thought this was interesting because your, your version of a dunk here is to burn your own money, essentially, is to waste $100 of your own money, sending it to a billion-dollar corporation that, by the way, already gets your money. They, they already get $500 million a year from us. You're going to give them $100 more. They don't really need it. So essentially what he's saying is, oh, yeah, I'll show you. Pulls out $100, sets it on fire. How do you like that? But um, anyway, there was my kick. That's my athleticism. Maybe I should kick for Vanderbilt next. They are right down the street. We're in Nashville now. So, you know, I'm a big believer that uh, we have to continue learning. And, and you know, even, even if, after you get out of school, whether you go to college or you don't, I didn't go to college, but it doesn't matter. You have to continue learning. And that means reading. Uh, you have to be, you have to read in order to learn and to be just a, an interesting and well-adjusted, intelligent person. The problem, though, is finding the time to read. And I can say that, uh, that uh, you know, I'm usually a pretty big reader, but ever since I, I relocated to, to Nashville, uh, just the whole process of moving and everything, it's eaten up a whole lot of my time. I haven't had the same amount of time that I usually do to sit down with a book. And that's why I'm so happy that Thinker.org exists. Uh, Thinker.org, they're great. They summarize the key ideas from new and noteworthy nonfiction giving you access to an entire library of great books in bite-sized form. You can read or also listen to hundreds of titles in a matter of minutes. And what they're going to do, you know, we're talking about old classics like How to Win Friends and Influence People, um, recent bestsellers like 12 Rules for Life, Jordan Peterson's book, of course, whatever it is, and you know, many, many books in between. But what they're going to do is they're going to they're going to tell you the information. They're going to give you the information, the insights, the wisdom from those books uh, they offer just a large variety of titles across many categories, current affairs, politics, business, education, history. That's you know, one of my favorite categories to go to. Relationships. Uh, I don't really need that category because I'm perfect in all my relationships, as my wife will tell you. But you might need that, so you can go there, too. Um, and uh, then the other thing is you read the, the insights, and maybe you'd, you think, okay, I want to I I know more. You can go and buy the book. Uh, or maybe you feel like you've you've gotten everything you need to out of that, and you can go on to the next one. If you want to challenge your preconceptions, expand your horizons, become a better thinker, go to thinker.org. That's T-H-I-N-K-R.org to start a free trial and download the app today. Let them know you heard about them on the Matt Wall Show. That's thinker.org. Also, um, you know, we've been telling you about uh, all the, the benefits of being a Daily Wire member. And if you're not a Daily Wire member not yet, now is the time to join because we've got a lot of incredible stuff just around the corner, very close around the corner. In fact, starting Friday, December 4th, the Michael Knowles Show is going five days a week. 
with more contents for content for members to enjoy. We're also adding the entire PragerU uh, catalog. We've already got some PragerU stuff, but we're putting it all on dailywire.com. It'll be there by the end of the year for Daily Wire members. Candace Owens show from, from PragerU will also be available. And then she's going to have her own show on the Daily Wire uh, live studio audience show, which you got to be a member to fully enjoy that. We're launching our first feature film. We've got investigative journalism, so much stuff. What you got to do is go to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Uh, we're loud, we're opinionated, and we're just having a good time. Also, yeah, the ornament thing. The ornaments. So get these get these stupid ornaments. You We have, we have the, we're, we're adorable elves, and you know I'm I'm a big I'm just a big fan of these. I, I I'm I, I'm I'm joking. I'm being sarcastic because I really I just love everything about these ornaments. It's been my dream, my whole life, in fact, to be converted into an adorable elf and to be hanging on a tree. I can die a happy man. This is all I've ever wanted in my life. Is this? You are watching the completion, the culmination of a man's life in front of you right now. So text the word Christmas to eight three four zero zero to get your tree decorated today with these. Wonderful ornaments. They're going fast, so get yours now at dailywire.com. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. Today we're going to have to cancel Harry Styles again. Or perhaps it's not so much Harry Styles we're canceling as the legions of cult-like plebes who pretend that everything he does is brilliant and beautiful. You probably recall the ruckus last week when Styles uh, appeared in a magazine in women's clothes and Candace Owens who will soon be having a show here on The Daily Wire, dared to suggest that men should not be wearing skirts and dresses and should instead be masculine as God and nature intended. Well, the story sort of died down until yesterday when Styles issued a clapback to Owens. Now, I use the term clapback because that is the term used by literally dozens of news outlets in their headlines about the story. Just Google Harry Styles clapback and then you know put the, hit, hit the news button. Dozens of these uh, of these headlines. Harry Styles claps back at Candace Owens. They use that term because we live in an exceedingly stupid society where once self-respecting news outlets use teenage lingo in their headlines. But in any case, um, here is Harry Styles and his clapback. His, I'm told, devastating, brilliant, genius, incredible, life-changing, historic clapback. Possibly the cleverest comeback in the history of comebacks. And here it is. It's an, it's an Instagram post of Harry Styles in what appears to be Seinfeld's puffy shirt. Or there might, there might be a blouse stitched together from his grandmother's tablecloth. I'm not sure. And he's eating a banana. And the caption says, bring, bring back manly men. Which is what Candace Owens had said. So that's a clapback. Now, a few things here. First of all, are we really going to pretend that this man doesn't look stupid as hell in that ridiculous outfit? The problem here is not that it's womanly. I've never seen a woman dress like that or any human. If my wife walked into the room wearing that, I would immediately stage an intervention, assuming that she's high on heroin. Second, I want you to imagine something for a moment. Just imagine what would happen if a white conservative male celebrity, what few exist, were to issue a clapback to a black liberal woman with a picture of himself eating a banana. Imagine how that would be received. Imagine what assumptions would be made. You know, we're at a point right now where you can simply move your fingers a certain way. You can make a, a, a circle with your index and thumb like this, and you'll be accused of sending racist messages. Right now, I'm, I'm sending a racist message, supposedly. 
Almost anything is a racist dog whistle these days. So how is this picture of a guy eating a banana meant as a diss to a black woman not a racist dog whistle? Now, to be clear, I don't actually think that Harry Styles meant it that way. Um, I don't really want to speculate on what he's doing with that banana on camera, much less what he'll do with it off camera. But we all know damn well what kinds of speculation the media would be doing if the politics were reversed here. The explosions of outrage would be nuclear. The offender would have already issued multiple tearful apologies, which would not be enough to stop him from getting dropped from every project and partnership he's a part of. That's how it would go. But because Candace is a conservative, none of that applies. In fact, Harry Styles, he could probably actually come out and say that he meant it in a racist way, and it still wouldn't bother anyone on the left or in the media. Because they believe that if you're a conservative, you don't deserve basic human decency. So no treatment towards you can be out of bounds. You could be shot dead, as we've seen, by some Antifa radical in the street, and they still won't say that you didn't deserve it. So this goes for racist treatment too, of course. And this is double true for female conservatives and black conservatives, and doubly, doubly true for black female conservatives, because they're not only horrible people for being conservative, but they're also traitors, as the logic goes. Third point, um, you know, I'm talking about conservatives here, but Candace's original point is not really a conservative point. It's not a political point. It's just a normal, natural, human, healthy observation. She's saying that she wants men to be masculine. She wants men to live up to their masculine potential. That's what she wants from men as a woman. And I got news for you. That's what almost all women who have ever lived on earth have wanted from men. That's not to say that all women have the same taste in men. But generally speaking, almost all women, the vast, vast majority, since the dawn of human civilization, have desired that men be masculine, strong, protectors, providers, more stoic and rational than emotional and sensitive. There are varying degrees. There are different tastes and priorities, of course. But there are also general statements we can make about what most women have wanted in men throughout history just as there are general statements we can make about what most men have wanted in women. Again, since the dawn of time, most men have wanted women who are affectionate, maternal, feminine, empathetic, caretakers, etc. Now, we can, I suppose, discuss whether these ideals are good or right or whatever. I would say they absolutely are good and right, and that societies which produce feminine women and masculine men tend to thrive. In fact, societies cannot thrive unless there is some kind of general idea about what roles men and women are supposed to play within it. But my point, even before we get to the discussion about whether these traditional gender role role ideas are right, is simply that they are entirely normal and natural and human. Candace Owens, in saying that she finds it ridiculous and off-putting when men prance around in women's clothes, is expressing the view of literally billions of women on earth, past and present. The left reacts to this normal expression, this normal view, not just by calling it wrong, but by acting as though it's insane, irrational, bizarre, crazy. You aren't just incorrect for thinking that men shouldn't cross-dress. You're a freak, a weirdo, a nut job. This is the game they play. They do the same thing with drag queen story hour, with uh, children being given hormone pills, people declaring themselves to be gender, queer, pansexual, aliens, or whatever. They are the ones introducing this bizarre and disturbing thing, but they act like you are the eccentric wacko if you don't immediately accept it. 
They want to make normalcy seem abnormal. They seek to make what is natural seem perverse and what is perverse seem natural. It is a massive game of overcompensation, you could say. And as a tactic, it's extremely effective. You know, they do something weird like have a drag queens dressed like Tim Burton characters show up to the library to read LGBT propaganda to four-year-olds. And if you say, yeah, you know, I don't think I really am in favor of this. I don't, I, I don't like it. They go, what? You, you have a problem with this? You don't like this? What? What are you, some kind of degenerate? And it works. Lots of people, upon receiving that reaction, throw up their hands and say, okay, okay, never mind. Do what you want. Jeez. All right. I forget I said anything. That's, that is essentially what, what most of America says to the left. It's that they don't agree with them. They just say, all right, just fine. Do what you want. Comparatively few people have the gumption and the guts to be met with that onslaught and to say, yes, I do have a problem with it. Now stop being hysterical. You're the degenerates, not me. Get this crap out of the library. Very few will do that. Even though the vast majority of people think it's weird and creepy, few will say it out loud. And even fewer will keep saying it, even when the pitchfork mob shows up at their door. And so the left gets away with making what is normal abnormal and what is abnormal normal. They are trying to cancel normalcy, in effect. But today, they are canceled. Instead for what it's worth, which admittedly probably is not much. But there it is. And we'll leave it there for today. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. Mm-hmm.